Uh, morning. We're going to be concluding our series today uh, from the book of Ephesians, where we've been looking at what it is to be one new family, the family of God united together in Jesus Christ. Now, the book of Ephesians has got lots and lots of stuff in it, but generally it's split into two parts. Uh, the first three chapters tell us about what makes us family together. And then the last three chapters talk to us about how is now to live. Now, there's lots of stuff in Ephesians, but, but a general breakdown is it breaks down into those two parts. And I want to encourage you to keep uh, reading it, to keep putting into practice all the things that we've talked about over the weeks. Because uh, what would be a, an awful thing is that we just gain head knowledge, but our lives aren't transformed. And... And yes, we want to know more of the Bible and what it says about us, but actually we want to know more of the Bible and what it says about us. We want to live transformed lives. We, we don't just want to gain knowledge. We want our lives to be changed. Otherwise, kind of, what's the point? It's not just about knowing more. It's about knowing more in a way that you live differently. We want to be transformed by the Holy Spirit want to reflect Jesus and make much of him. And so I kind of want to encourage you, yes, we preach it, but more than that, go away and study it. Go away and pray about it. Go away and ask the Holy Spirit to bury it deep in your hearts and to transform you and how you're living and the choices you're making and what you're thinking and all those sort of things because we're about being changed by him. We're not about just knowing more things. Um, if you have a Bible today... I'm going to be preaching right from the very end of Ephesians, but just to uh, give myself a bit of context, we're going to be starting at Ephesians 6, verse 10, uh, which Richard preached last week, which is the armour of God. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, Ephesians 6, verse 10 is where we're going to start, and we'll be dipping in and out as we go along. Okay, so Ephesians 6 verse 10, it will come on the screen behind me if you need to read along up there. It says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armour so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armour so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we'll just pause there for a second. Now, Richard preached this last week. And why would we need to push on armour? It's because we're in a battle, it's because we're, we're in a fight, a fight not just to gain head knowledge but to live holy transformed lives and I don't think we're very good sometimes at knowing that we're in a fight I don't think we're very good when we think about coming to the spiritual things our our country we live in and the general kind of life we live are not not particularly spiritual in their nature we we focus on lots of stuff 
We like to feel things and touch things. And so when it comes to this spiritual battle we talk about, we can struggle sometimes to get our head around it. Whereas in other parts of the world, they don't think about that at all. The, the, the context they live in is much more of a spiritual context. And so you talk about a spiritual battle, of course it just makes sense. We're in a battle. We're in a fight. And, and as we're in a fight, that means we can't just stand passive, which is something often that we do. We're in a fight and we stand passive and then we wonder why there's struggle and why there's hardship. And I, I feel like I was, I was in some meetings this week and I feel as the back and forth discussion went forward, just got opened my eyes afresh uh, to this in a new way this week, that we have a call to a radically new, transformed way of living. And that actually we're not to be content with a few new things. So it's great to hear and see a few healings and it's great to hear a few encouraging testimonies that we've had amongst us over the last few months. But the word over us is one of being set on fire to start revival in our streets, schools, places of work, our town, etc. And so I'm not going to be content with just a few good things. Yeah, I'm going to celebrate it. I'm going to be thankful for what Jesus has done. But actually, I'm going to fight to take hold of the word of God to us about revival. I'm going to fight to be open to the ongoing transformation that the Holy Spirit brings. I'm going to fight for that to be true, not just for me, but, but for us too. So yes, we want to hear stories of healing. Yes, we want to hear stories of how God has broken through and the comfort he brings and the way that he's moving. And we've had some of those stories since Richard returns from Colombia, we've had several, several stories that we think, yeah, praise Jesus for. But, but I'm not going to be content with that because the word is being set on fire to see Holy Spirit-inspired revival in our lives, in our towns, in our schools, in our workplaces. That's, that's what I'm interested in. So yeah, I'm going to celebrate the stuff that God's doing, but, but radical transformation is what I want what I want for me and it's what I want for us and I guess my question is how about you how, how are you responding in this season in this fight to take hold of the promises of God and the prophetic words of God to us these words about Holy Spirit kind of blowing on coals and starting fires and that these fires spread about in Holy Spirit revival I want to fight to take hold of those in my life in a radical, life-transforming way, not just to be content with hearing some encouraging stories. That's great, but the promise is so much more than that. How are we responding to that? How are you responding to that? Are you, are you fighting for that? Are you fighting to take hold of it in your prayer life, in your reading of the word, in, in getting together with other people, in, in the choices you make? Are you fighting to take hold of these words of God? Or are you just content to hear a few nice stories sometimes? I was um, walking to work on Thursday morning, which turned out to be a mistake. Um, about halfway there, it began to rain. And it didn't just rain, uh, the rain came and the wind came, and uh, I guess I was walking in what can only be described as a hurricane, uh, woefully, inadequately dressed. Uh, and it was that sort of rain that, that I thought, okay, I'm going to get wet here, but, but when I turned the corner in a minute, 
that's going to block the wind and it's going to be okay. But, but just as I turned the corner, what happened was the wind switched and I got drenched. And literally every turn I made didn't matter. I got absolutely drenched. Like someone was controlling the wind just to drench me through on this journey. And uh, when I got to work, uh, I discovered that my coat wasn't waterproof after all. Uh, and all my shoulders were soaked. Uh, I spent 20 minutes in the toilet with my jeans underneath the hand dryers, uh, turning cold, wet jeans into hot, wet jeans, basically. Uh, even my underwear was soaked through. I mean, it was, I opened my bag up to find all my stuff in a puddle inside my bag. I took my pens out and water was pouring out of my pens. That, that's how drenched I was. And to be honest, normally in that context, I would be pretty cross. Uh, I'd be pretty annoyed. And yet as I was walking in this, thinking I ought to be really cross, I was kind of mulling over, I think God's trying to tell me something. Now, why he couldn't just tell me uh, is between him and me, I guess. But, uh, but I, I, I just, I was drenched through, literally. Completely drenched through. And I just felt God say to me, don't, don't try and shelter from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Be drenched in every area. Be drenched in every area. So I wasn't a bit wet. I wasn't wet in one or two places. I was completely soaked. There wasn't a bit of me that wasn't wet. And I just felt God was speaking to me. So I, my Holy Spirit, I, 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 he's coming and he's coming to drench us. And what we do, and I'm assuming we all do this, I know I do, is that, is that I don't mind receiving the Holy Spirit in some places, but in other areas I'll hide from him. In other areas I'll, I'll try and shelter from him because, to be honest, uh, the Holy Spirit shines a light on my life and some of my life isn't always that good. And so it brings conviction to me. And I don't always like to be convicted. I don't always like to have a light shone on some of the darker places in my heart, but that's what he's been doing to me since, since last summer. It's quite a painful process sometimes to be open to having to confront the own realities in your heart. Has my heart possibly got into that state? You can get shocked sometimes when you have the light shone in your heart and think, how, how, how has that found place in my heart? And so the temptation is to shy away. And so I, I, you know, we'll celebrate and we'll enjoy the nice things, but with the radical transformation, then I'll shy away from that because that's hard. And I, I just felt the word was, as the Holy Spirit wants to drench you through completely radical change. Um, there was a word brought at the North site uh, that I got sent two or three weeks ago, I think, and it said this, I feel God saying the season has changed. Don't remain stuck in the past in the old season. Things are now new and different. Many of you, if you're honest, will admit that you harboured a certain feeling of cynicism regarding the moving of the Holy Spirit. Maybe a sense of having been there before or feeling disappointed with God or rather overlooked. But now in this new season, I urge you to put aside such feelings and come back to me with a renewed vigour urgency and faith that I am on the move. I'm pouring out my spirit in great measure and I urge you to drink and drink and then drink again. You will be filled. Do you remember the British summer last year during that long hot summer how much you drank? 
You are always thirsty, it never satisfies. But I ask you to remember what my son Jesus said, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I'm the God who can meet your every need and in this abundant season I will drench those who thirst for me and you will become the abundant springs of life I promise to make you. So come to me whenever and wherever you can. Holy Spirit wants to drench us. Wants all of us, all the way through. Not just the bits we want to be open to, not just the bits we want to give him. And so before I actually carry on and preach uh, what I'm supposed to preach about today, uh, I just want to pray. And what I want to do is I'd like us to stand up and I'd like us actually to be in a place where we could all hold hands together. Um, Now if you're a guest here this morning and you're thinking what on earth is going on, you are really free to not be involved in this. Um, But that might mean you have to move. I want around the room, I want us to be able to hold hands, join, link up. Because we're family. And so it's not just about me and it's not just about you, it's about us. It's about us together. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit just to come and uh, fill. Well, you can't be the only one not holding hands. <laughs> Still going with a microphone. Um, <laughs> as the Holy Spirit, I just pray as we stand here before you, brothers and sisters together, come and drench us. Come and fill us in ways that radically transform how we live our lives how we respond to you we we just want to say we don't want to be content not content lord just with some good stories and and seeing some things yes we're thankful but we're not content lord our prayer is holy spirit come and radically transform us around this room let's pray come and fill us in such a way that we can never be the same again Come and fit us in such a way that you flood through us, that that all the places in our life that we know are wrong, or even that we don't know are wrong, are exposed by you, and your healing, transforming work can begin. Oh, Holy Spirit, we don't just, we we don't want to shelter from you. We don't want to hide from you. I pray, break it open, Lord. Break open our experience and our encounters of you, whatever they look like. Break them open. Change us. Change us in ways that, that means we can't go back to how we were before. We, we need you, Holy Spirit. We don't want to pretend. We don't want to try in our own strength. This is you at work in us. And we just open our hearts to you and say, come now around this room as we join hands together, flow through us. Begin to stir in us a passion that says, I've got to have more. I've got to have more of you, Holy Spirit. I've got to have more of you. I've got, to, I've got to fight. I want to fight to take hold of you. I want to take hold of you and make choices and say, more than anything, I want you at work in my life. More than other things, I want you at work in my life. Holy Spirit, come and have your way amongst us. Thank you, your passion is not to leave us dry and thirsty, but your promise is to to quench us in an everlasting way. 
in an ongoing way, day by day by day by day, moment by moment, your promises to, to quench that thirst that we have, to walk with us and to be with us and to flood us. And so we just confess to you, Holy Spirit, our utter and complete need for you so that we don't walk in our own strength and try in our own abilities, but that we throw ourselves completely at your mercy. So have your way, Holy Spirit. We need you. We need you. I just want to encourage you to constantly be looking to put yourself in places where you can be drenched and soaked. So you can sit down. Where you can be drenched and soaked by the Holy Spirit. Constantly be looking to be active. So looking to respond when he's present, when he leads you. Looking to put yourself in his way in every opportunity. We're not to be passive. Our passage in Ephesians, if you remember, um, we're talking about putting on the armour of God and then we, we come to the three verses I have today. I just want to start with verse 18. So Paul talks about putting on the armour of God and then he says... Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. The Apostle Paul exhorts the Christians that he's writing to to pray for one another, to pray for one another a lot. In fact, he says at all times and on every occasion. And I'm not sure how practically you even do this, but I find it a challenging provocation. Pray at all times, on every occasion. Remember the context, we're in a battle. That's the context of this particular passage here. We're in a fight. We've just been told to put on the armour of God and now we're told to pray for one another at all times and on every occasion. You know, at the end of that, last, uh, in the last year we were singing that um, song, you know, this is how I fight my battles. And you either liked it or you didn't. And... Um, and I didn't because it never told me how I fought my battles. It just said, this is how I fight my battles. But how do we fight our battles? We're told to put on the armour of God. We're told to pray for one another at all times, on every occasion. This is how we fight our battles. To be alert and persistent in our prayers for one another. See, increasingly we live in a culture that doesn't teach us to be persistent. We live in a have-it-now world where, you know, I can go on to Amazon.co.uk in the morning and have it delivered in the afternoon. How amazing is that? Less and less people wait for things. It's not, it's not what we're taught to do at all. And yet this passage tells us, pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So how, how do we do that? Because that sounds like hard work to me. Well, it tells us to pray in the spirit. So it's not aimless prayers, but it's a spiritual thing. Prayers that are spirit-led, prayers that are spirit-inspired and spirit-equipped. This isn't something that we're told to do in our own strength. This sort of persistent prayer is an outworking of walking with the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I shouldn't confess this to you, really, but, 
But often I find prayer kind of hard work. Um, I know I'm one of the elders in this church. Um, I, I find prayer hard, hard work. It turns out I can watch TV all day long. But if you want me to pray in a persistent way, man, that's hard work. Because it turns out that my flesh is weak. It turns out my flesh would rather do other things. However, when the Spirit's with me, I, I can pray. I like a fish that's taken from being out of water, put back into water. So, you know, you see a fish out of water, it's flopping around, it's just dying, it's not going anywhere. You put it back in water and suddenly it's gone again. If I try and pray without the Holy Spirit, I am like a fish out of water. I, I can't do it for anything. After about 30 seconds, I'm like, man, this is hard work. I can't think what to pray. There's nothing in the Bible. I don't know what to do. Get me with the Holy Spirit. I can pray. I can pray with passion and I can pray with persistence and I can pray with intention. About a few weeks ago in January, we had our evening prayer meetings every Sunday and we, we had one here. And I'm going to be honest with you, I mean, I didn't really want to come to it that evening. I had to go because I was leading it. So that's, that's, basic, that's the basis that I was there. Uh, I, I wasn't inspired to pray. I put loads of chairs out. Only half of them got filled. Uh, we're about to start the prayer meeting. And, and I, to be honest, a large part of me thought, why bother? This is not going to be very good. And um, Steve led us in worship just fantastically that evening. But do you know what? It turned out the Holy Spirit was there. And it turned out the Holy Spirit filled us and filled me. And then what happened was from the start of the prayer meeting, I thought this is going to be terrible. It turned out I could pray the whole evening long. And we prayed and we worshipped and we prayed and we worshipped and we were on our knees praying for 20 minutes or so for, just for revival for Bedford. And it turned out because the Spirit was there and he was moving among us, we could have prayed all night. We encourage to pray at all times every occasion, but not in your own strength. Pray in the Spirit. He brings it alive. He takes something which the flesh finds difficult and breathes life into it. We're a family and we're told to pray for one another a lot, to uphold one another in prayer. And so what needs to change in your life to make this true of you? What needs to change in our groups or our ministries or our families and our friendships so that we can learn to walk together this way and pray for one another this way? The Apostle Paul tells them to pray for one another and then he asks them to pray for him. Verse 19, he says, And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now. Still preaching this message of God's ambassador, so pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. See, it's worth remembering as we read this passage that Paul is writing the letter to the Ephesians whilst in prison in Rome. Okay, he's, he's in prison, his life's under threat. But his request is not that they pray for his release, but that he would be able to boldly proclaim the gospel whilst he's in prison. I've just come back from um, Cambodia and Thailand. Uh, it was a privilege to go on that trip and I met Christians uh, from loads of countries where basically it's illegal to preach the gospel. 
It's illegal to be a Christian. And yet their request is not to pray for a lifting of persecution, but that they would preach the gospel boldly. And it's bizarre because everything within me wants to pray that the persecution they're under would be lifted, but their request is pray that I'll be able to preach the gospel boldly in the midst of persecution. And I think we can find it difficult to get our heads around that sort of thinking properly. Often our prayers revolve around asking God to fix or to heal or to make things better. And of course, the Bible encourages us to do that. We're told to pray for healing. We're told to pray for God to break in. But I don't know that we're also always uh, so switched on to asking God to help us proclaim the gospel boldly in the midst of whatever is going on in our lives, good or bad. So yes, we're praying for healing, we're praying for breakthrough. Mean, yeah, of course we're supposed to do that. But how often do we find ourselves praying for one another that we would proclaim the gospel boldly? It's interesting when Mervyn brought an interpretation to David's words. Towards the end, it came to that place of proclaiming the name of Jesus. So taken with him and so filled with him and so passionate for him. Proclaim your name. It's what the Apostle Paul is asking for. That they would pray that he would be bold in his proclamation of the gospel. Other translations will say fearless in his proclamation of the gospel, which I guess implies that Paul has fear to overcome to proclaim the gospel fearlessly. I mean, let's be honest, we read about people like the Apostle Paul and we just figure that they never had any difficulties. They're like the superstars of the Christian faith. Yet Paul is asking that people would pray for him so that he can be fearless in his proclamation. Because it turns out he struggles with all the things that we struggle with. And often we find that we're not sure what to say. But we see that Paul even asked them to pray that God would give him the right words. We can pray for each other in this really specifically. Luke 12, Jesus says, when you're brought to trial in the synagogues and before the rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. We can even pray for each other that we'd have the right words to say in proclaiming the gospel in the different situations we find ourselves in. So over the weeks, we've looked at loads of different aspects of families. We've gone through the book of Ephesians. But I want to end this series with this, that all nations is to be a growing family. This family is to grow, not by gathering Christians from other churches. I mean, they're always welcome. But let's be honest, that's how most of our growth happens. This family is to grow through the gospel being proclaimed. Through people who don't know Jesus, meeting him and having their lives transformed by him. Through people meeting Jesus and being adopted into the family where we are spiritual brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. We are to be a growing family. And I, and I want us to understand that we're to be a growing family through people being saved. So yeah, it's great when people come. Yeah, it's great when other Christians want to gather and be part of where God's taking us. We love that. But what do we want to see? We want to see people meet Jesus and have their lives transformed and utterly transformed by him. That's what we've got to be about. 
We're not to be an inward-looking family who just look after each other really well. It's right to look after each other really well. But the church is about so much more than that. And this season that we're stepping into, whatever it is, isn't just about us having a better time with God. It's about being set on fire for him in such a way that we spread that fire wherever we go. Interesting. Barbara brought the word about being light to the world. I've got Matthew 5 here, 14 to 16. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You are the light on the world. That's you personal, that's you corporate. You are the light on the world. Not, not you might be the light of the world. If Jesus has come to live inside of you, we've sang that song, Jesus alive in us. If he's, he's come to live inside of you, you are the light of the world. In fact, it goes further. It says you are like a city on a hilltop. So when I was younger, in my younger days, in my youth group, we, there's songs that banded around. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Except it turns out that I don't have a little light. I have Jesus Christ living in light inside me. I have a great big light. And so we sing songs. It's like, oh, I've just got this little light, little inadequate light. What can I possibly do? That's nonsense. The living God lives inside of you. The God of the universe. The God of all power and all authority. He's the one who lives inside of you. I don't have a little light. I have a great big shining light. Jesus says, I'm like a city on a hilltop, giving light to all the surrounding area. That's the sort of light we're talking about. We're about being set on fire for him in such a way that we spread that fire wherever we go. That's why in May we've got a conference coming up literally called Spreading Fire, which I think is a prophetic statement for us that we are to go and set light around us outside of our own gatherings. And so I, I, I want to tell you, I mean, so we're in a battle, we're in a fight. How are we going to respond? What steps are we going to take? Here's one step you can make sure you take. Book into that conference. Book into it. Do it today. You can do it online. Do it today. Don't wait. Don't question. Don't think, well, I'll see what else is going on. Book in today. How are you going to respond? How are we going to fight? How are we going to step forward in this season? Take every opportunity that God puts in front of you. Book in today. It's not okay to be passive. It's not okay to wait. It's not okay to think, yeah, book in today. It's a prophetic statement. We're spreading fire because we're about seeing revival happen. Come to the Holy Spirit teaching evenings that are coming on every month. Come along. I need to learn more about the Holy Spirit. You need to learn more about the Holy Spirit. Come to the prayer evenings that are on twice a month. I mean, yeah, they're good, but where's the rest of the church? Normally is my question when I'm there. It's good, it's good. 60 or so people, we gather, we have a good time, we're pushing into stuff. Make it a priority and be there. How are we going to fight our battles? Take every opportunity to come and push into what God's doing. It's so important that a growing passion for those who don't know Jesus is at the heart of this new thing that we're stepping into. 
Otherwise, we'll just become inward-looking and about ourselves. The prophetic word that came from Columbia when Richard Green came back was about the revival fire of the Holy Spirit. And revival massively includes people meeting Jesus and being radically saved. We can kid ourselves anywhere we want, but in the end, it has to be about that. We've got a whole town of people who don't know Jesus. And I think we kid ourselves and think they don't want to know Jesus, but actually they're crying out for him. Crying out for him. How are you responding? In this time the Holy Spirit moves, how are you responding? Often we can think the gospel is somebody else's job. Well, that's the job of the people who are employed by the church. Well, that's the job of the outgoing people. It turns out that it's, it's my responsibility too. And it's your responsibility too. Wherever God places you, to let your light shine, to set fires with the Holy Spirit. Where is our confidence and expectation in the gospel? It's time for us to shake off the chains that have bound us and see salvation. Something needs to change in all nations. Something needs to break open. It's time for a new season of the Holy Spirit revival to break open and see not only us radically changed, but people saved and added to this church. We're called to be a growing family. And it is time for us to start crying out to the Holy Spirit to set us on fire. And it's time for us to start praying for one another to proclaim the gospel boldly and fearlessly. Uplifting one another in prayer. And if the thought of that scares you, don't worry. The Apostle Paul, the superstar of the New Testament, asks for prayer so that he might be fearless. This isn't something that we respond to in our own strength, but rather we receive the life-transforming power of the Holy Spirit and then we get to walk in his strength and what he calls us to. It's time for a season to break open. It's time for us to move on from not seeing many people saved to believing the prophetic word and thinking something's got to change here and maybe that change needs to start in me. And maybe I need to catch hold of something and start living differently.